Welcome to the Digitalization and Diversity Podcast, where we are exploring the crossroads of two hot topics, digitalization and diversity. My name is Adya and I am your host. Welcome back to the Digitalization and Diversity Podcast. I have been waiting to record this episode because today we are going to be talking about diversity in fashion and use of digital media. Fashion trends change all the time, but certain norms have existed and haven't really been challenged in the past. Girls wear dresses and boys wear trousers. Well, not for my guest today. On today's show, I am joined by Stefan Bonuto to talk about his journey towards embracing gender-neutral clothing and challenging societal norms in his private life and in his corporate job. Stefan is French, 51 years old, married to a German wife, and currently is working as a finance manager in an industrial company. He is passionate about music, design, and style, and he's also passionate about promoting diversity to empower people to live their true self in life in general, and especially in their work environment. Many people know Stefan by his Instagram handle, The Heads Count, where he very confidently and authentically sports gender-neutral clothing and also educates others on the topics of diversity, unconscious bias, and stereotypes. Welcome, Stefan, to the Digitalization and Diversity podcast. Tell us a bit more about your story, whatever you're happy to share. Hi, Adia, and it's really a pleasure to be with you today. Thanks for the invitation that I accepted really with, with great pleasure to talk about this topic, which is really close to my heart. My story started, I would say, about 10 years ago by wearing what is commonly referred to as a feminine clothing. It probably started even earlier since I liked fashion for many years. And I recall my sister and I actually look, used to look at the fashion photos in French magazines when we were teenagers. But, you know, about 10 years ago, I decided I would no longer be only, I would call an admirer spectator, but I decided to become actor. So I one day I just bought myself a skirt, some tights and heels and uh, I put them on and I uh, immediately felt well in them. So I decided to wear them first in, in private. And then increasingly, I changed my, my wardrobe to increase the, the proportion of uh, what we call in feminine clothing. So I started to wear them in private and then even more in public during the free time. And so, you know, I started adding things like skirt, dresses, pants also, by the way, blouses, tops, heels, boots, whatever, but really oriented to what women really wear in their actual life. So the purpose was not to make a show, but to be as close and as authentic as possible. Yeah. And, you know, when it comes to the topic of diversity, some diversities are always more challenging than the other ones. And often people talk a lot about gender diversity, but diversity mm. is much more than that. It's diversity of race, of ethnicity, of age, mindset, social class, and so much more. So what does diversity and the term the heads count mean for you? 
Yeah, precisely for me, uh, diversity covers the many dimensions and some of them you just quoted. I think we both refer here to the to the model of Garden Schwartz and, and Rowe, where we have the so-called internal dimensions. You quoted some of them, age, race, origins, disability, gender, sexual orientation, and then we have even more. And indeed, I had quite some thoughts about what the meaning is of my uh, clothing style. And what really came, came out clear for me is that my clothing style does not impact my biology nor my gender. And it doesn't reflect any change in my biology nor in my gender. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. my clothing, I would say, is my personal expression. So... What I found out is that actually uh, my clothing style adds to my internationality and both form together what I call my own diversity profile. Regarding my internationality, I was was born in Greece, uh, a French from uh, French parents who have quite a number of European origins because we have French, Italian, some Belgian and Dutch origins in the family. Mm -hmm. So I would say this dimension of diversity was given to me at birth and uh, my styling adds another dimension to my profile. Yeah. And how did you come up with this term, the heads count? It started with my Instagram account, you know, approximately one and a half year ago, I started an Instagram account where I started first by posting some fashion pictures of myself for the reason that about two years ago, when I met the so-called VDMD, which is the German Association of German Fashion Designers, mm-hmm. they decided to give me a title, which is called Courageous Fashion Man. They gave this prize to, to me in 2020 and and I really felt very honored of it and so I started to post you know some pictures of me in my clothing make it public since they they recognize well what you do you know what what they told me is very original is very courageous very brave authentic so I said well thanks thanks so much and then I started to post those pictures now during last year I mean I had increasingly more thoughts about which meaning I would add to would say those pictures so I decided to turn my account into a diversity coaching account using the gender bending clothing as the mm-hmm. visual and the name of the account the heads count stands for overcoming prejudice stereotypes and cliches It really means to see the person behind any unconventional appearance. So in other words, the person is more important than their appearance. So the heads count. That's how the name was born. Yeah. And I am so fascinated by your story. And I'm very curious to know, so when was this realization that you did not want to conform to what I call typical societal norms and really challenge the status quo with your Instagram account and also with your clothing? I would say at some time I took conscience that there is no objective reason to uh, limit myself to what I would think people expect me to look like. Actually, I, I realized other people care much less about us than what we think they may do. Yeah. Uh, most, most people, I think, are first busy with themselves. Um, <laughs> and, and so I realized that actually there, there is no reason to limit. And also I could turn what I 
would maybe at some time think would be a kind of a weakness because, you know, being, you know, a nonconformist, especially having a job which is pretty conform, yeah. uh, would be presumably a weakness. So I decided to turn this to a strength by standing to it, really, and by making this part of my personality, I would say to make it my personal branding. A lot of the times people interact with us is on the basis of what we wear. And in India, so I come from India, and many times when you wear a Western outfit, you will be addressed with a handshake. But if you wear a more traditional outfit, such as a sari, you will be greeted with a namaste. And when I first moved to France for my higher education roughly eight years ago, my style of clothing changed quite a bit. And I want to share an experience here with you. So in India, fashion is a lot to do with colors, bright and bold colors, and usually not dressing and matching so much your clothes for the weather as you typically do in many parts of Europe. So you have a lot of different seasons in India and you wear a lot of bright and bold colors. But when I came to Paris, everything was gray and black. And I still <laughs> remember that I had this winter coat in teal, so sort of like a blue-green color, my favorite, by the way. And I distinctly remember actually being complimented by one of my professors for wearing this color because somehow it just stood out in a mass of gray and black. But still, I was quite conscious of standing out because when I also started working, my wardrobe is still quite neutral in the sense of colors. Of course, this is before the pandemic and I'm mostly in casual clothes these days. So you are a role model for diversity. Also, when it comes to being a fashion model, a French man living in Germany, working in finance and embracing gender neutral fashion. How have people reacted to you? And do you ever get this kind of response that men can't wear dresses? Uh, uh, first, first of all, it's very kind of you to call me a, a role model. So many, many thanks. Really, really <laughs> very honored by, by that. And in terms of the reactions, I have experienced uh, all kinds of reactions. I would mm -hmm. say from uh, neutral to praise, which of course is the most enjoyable thing to receive. But I have also experienced grief and, and, and rejections, you know, especially on social media. So some people really get either very enthusiastic, you know, but also some people can get quite aggressive in their reaction. I leave those comments in because I think it's uh, also a good illustration for people when they look at a post to see what kind of response you have. I think it tells a lot about the person who posts either the praise or the, the yeah. rejection. I've observed that actually people praising are the people who also have experienced a certain element of diversity in their life, not necessarily in clothing, but mm -hmm. any other event of their life. You know, people who would have a, a son, a daughter, a brother in being LGBTQ, for instance, or people who have a disabled person in a family or who have experienced transplantation. Some, so any kind of, you know, diverse event, they would relate it to what I promote. And so they are really open to new things. They are open to step out of their comfort zone. Now, people, I would say, giving rejection, especially the ones who do it in an aggressive way, I think it reflects their own feeling of, of fear or their own insecurity. 
I don't even want to believe that they that they want to do it, you know, out of I would say uh, morale or whatever other, you know, aggressive reason. But I think it more reflects their own on safety. You know, shall I wear like that, or you know, uh, what would people think if I would be like Stefan? So I think they project it on me by saying you shouldn't do that. Men can't wear dress, etc. That's why I decided to actually make some posts in which I make gentle fun of it, saying, of course they can. Of course we can go out in the street and just do it and you will see people will will like it. And if people don't like it, go to them, speak to them, be open to the dialogue. And I also made another post saying, you know, as an answer to you're ridiculous. Say, what's ridiculous? It's just unusual, I would say. It's uh, Mm -hmm. something you don't see every day, but where is the ridiculous? This feeling is actually, I believe, much more in the head of the person who writes this comment than in the person who wears the clothes. Let me just refer to, you talked about fashion in, 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 in France. And I, and I agree. And I love the fact that you, you introduce your, your colors from India to France, where it's true in, in Europe, we kind of dress in, according to the weather. I think we're a bit less colorful. The fact that people are confronted with something they don't know just puts them in a, in a feeling, what would happen if I would do it? And so they don't even know how to react. And then they, they get a bit afraid and then they reject. So my action is to say, I take, I would say, what I call my environment with me. If I step out of the comfort zone because I dress in an unusual way, I need also to act on my environment to tell them, look, I want to take you by the hand and let you understand there is a message behind it. It's a message of openness, of open-minded. So come, come the, the way with me and you will see actually that the person behind the clothing actually doesn't change. It just expresses their own sensitivity. Yeah. And that is such a positive approach to take because in general, that is the thing with putting yourself out there either on social media or even in the physical environment that of course there will be people who, who are not maybe as open-minded, but that's the thing when putting yourself out there is that people who don't really conform to your views can just go on. They can keep scrolling. They don't have to engage in negative content. If they cannot understand or support, nobody is forced actually to engage or to be involved in the topics which actually matter for you. I think your approach is is quite positive and very optimistic. And I want to circle a bit back to your international background. And I know that you, you are very much inspired and you're very passionate about fashion and style. I'm curious to know, and I think my listeners would also be very curious to know, what is fashion for you? If you would be open to describe your wardrobe for the listeners, I think a lot of people would be interested to know what is fashion for you. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, yeah, of course. Uh, fashion is for me, first, wearing the things I like, the things that make me feel well. Fashion interacts with my mood. It reflects my mood. And also it can influence my mood positively. So you see, it's a mutual impact. Yeah. So fashion is for me about uh, finding the right pieces, 
the right designs, the cuts, the pattern, the colors. You mentioned India is much more colorful. By the way, my sister who lives in the US in California married an American with Indian origins. And mm-hmm. uh, at her wedding, she uh, wore at least three different saris. She was beautiful. <laughs> I really loved this wedding. Of course, I was dressed in a, at that time in a Western European uh, type of clothing, but my, my sister and the family low standing out in this magnificent colors really, really uh, made me astonished. So back to colors, I think they have to correspond to, I would say, our skin, to the shape. Basically, fashion should flatter our body, you know, just to make us look nice. Now, next, fashion is also an expression of our personality. We said, yeah, it, it has an impact. It reflects personality. It impacts personality. So whether we are, you know, introvert, extrovert, whether we feel artistic or rational type of person, modern or classic, minimalistic or opulent, dominant or playful. And here, you know, I'm, I'm just quoting some fashion personas. I did not invent those terms, yeah. but I took them from a fashion expert called Lisa Maria Pipus, who has a, an excellent uh, Instagram account called uh, Style is a Language. Yes. I, I warmly recommend to visit this account, uh, yes. which describes the types of fashion personas and how we reflect our profile with clothing. And to answer precisely your question, so what do I have in my wardrobe? (laughs) Over the years, I have increased the portion of what we call feminine clothing by a lot. It is heavily dominant by now. So I have business and casual. I have pants, skirts, dresses. I have short, midi, long. I have uni patterns, floral. I have flat, medium and high heels. I have shoes, boots. I also have a cocktail or a ballroom dress, which mm-hmm. I once worn at the Wien Opera. It's a very, speci- very special event that I really recall being in this um, super classic place with, a, with this black ballroom dress. That was really one of my dreams that I realized there. Mm-hmm. And so I, I select a piece, I would say, in function of the occasion and of my mood. Because you see, my purpose is is not to provoke, but my purpose is, I would say, to be different, to push the boundaries, but at the same time to stay, I would say, to belong, you know, to the community where I am. Being visible, but integrated, I would say. Yeah. And and you talked a bit about this belonging. So belonging to the community, being integrated. And I read on Instagram your quote about why the business world needs rebel types of fashion people. And I want to ask, what is a rebel for you? And why do you think that rebels are needed? For me, the the rebel is a person who questions the status quo. I would say it's an innovator. A rebel brings unconventional ideas. And then by by doing so, the rebel brings other people to rethink their own uh, habits or Mm -hmm. conventions. So the the rebel for me is needed because they are a source of creativity, they drive innovation, and those two terms, you know, creativity and innovation are important for our personal development in our private life. But if I come back to the business world, which is, I think, my focus in, in my action, creativity and innovation are keys for companies to develop, to secure the competitive advantage, to develop further and, and make sure that they stay at the, at the cutting edge of, uh, of the progress. So that's why... Also there, I express this uh, creativity by what I call the rebel, by questioning the status quo. I express this by my clothing style. Yeah. And you shared a bit about 
the reactions of people, especially when it comes to these kind of like quotes that men can't wear dresses, especially in the personal life. How has it been for you in your workplace and the corporate work environment? Were there any kind of biases which you had to face in this regard? Yes, of course. It's been a journey at the workplace. And I think the, the workplace is probably the place where the biggest challenges are waiting uh, for us. First of all, because this is a place where we need, we want to perform, we want to be to secure our credibility, we want to secure our acceptance as business partner. So changing the style, being different is associated with a certain amount of risk. By the way, this is something that saw some people really put in front of my eyes saying, well, you know, aren't you, aren't you concerned about the negative impact of dressing like this in the business world? Yes, of course, I got concerned. I got some time even unsure. But then if I come back to the point where I decided to turn this, what I call apparent weakness into a strength by saying, I will not hide it. I will make it my personal profile. Mm. And now I am now in this position, I am able to to face the type of unconscious bias in a much more uh, self-assured way. Mm. So just to quote typical unconscious biases that I have encountered, I think, first of all, Everybody has, a, has an unconscious bias and that and the word it says itself, it's unconscious. So yeah. the most important is actually to become aware of it, to become aware that everybody of us has an unconscious bias. For instance, it means I see Stefan dressed in a way like, mm, OK, uh, didn't expect that. Do I want to work with him with such an appearance? Can I consider him competent? Is he trustworthy? I don't even know his coach, Stefan. You know, I, I have a person mm -hmm. of me say, you're going to meet somebody, you know, who is the finance manager of whatever company. And here comes the person and it's like, oh, mm, yeah. such an appearance. Do I want, can I trust him? And so I say, yes, of course you can trust me. So be aware of this bias. Maybe even let's address it. I would say, when I realize that somebody has a, you know, question marks in their eyes, I, I almost trigger the dialogue to say, well, let, let's, let's address the topic. So let, let's eliminate this bias. And then afterwards realize we have a common ground to work together in a trustful relation. Yeah. And that is such an open mindset to have. Can you explain a bit more? So how are you bringing this mindset of openness and diversity to the corporate work environment and in what ways do you think that there will be an impact of fashion when it comes to industry? I actually found the message that I associate with my unconventional style. I make the point that I wear my clothing as the visible sign of my commitment to diversity. As I said, I don't wear it to shock or to provoke, but much yeah. more to express my personality and to express my commitment to diversity to say, I want to bring you to overcome your preconceived ideas, to overcome your unconscious bias. We just talked about it. Consider, you know, the person behind the appearance or so this famous heads count, you know, that's the whole idea about it. As an additional factor I would say is that I want to add is also the fact that the clothes actually have no gender in the sense, if I buy a skirt, I would say, yes, in most stores of the world, I would say there will be even some signs on the walls, men's department, women's department. Okay. Yeah. But when I buy a skirt, 
nowhere is written on it, this skirt is for women. If mm-hmm. I decide to wear it, I decide it. When a woman buys a pant, nowhere is written, this is a man's piece. That's the funny side of it. If a woman decides to put on a tie because it's her style, she even decides you know, to land a, a blazer from her boyfriend. In the fashion by now, most people would say it's cool. But if a man decides to put on a skirt, then that's the thing of the day. I think it reflects the fact that we still have some evolution, maybe some, I don't want to say revolution, but at least a fundamental change in the perception in in front of us. It took really many decades for women to get accepted. I think what helped them to be accepted was the fact that they probably strengthened their appearance, you know, by appearing more, what would you say, masculine, you know, more dominant, powerful to take again those fashion personas. The challenge is when a man puts on a skirt, is he perceived as being less dominant? Is he perceived as being more sensitive? And so is he perceived as getting weaker I'm afraid this is actually the bias that we have in front of us. This is the fact which I would say most people have, as would say, as a bit of a handbrake to say, if I put on a skirt, I am afraid to become, to be perceived a bit weaker. Whereas when a woman puts on a pant, she's pretty sure she will become stronger. Hmm. Now, the question is really, are we in a society where, you know, which is only based on power, on strength, or are we in a society where we should make place to feelings and feel no shame about saying we as person feel things about what we see happening. So why shouldn't we express? In my point of view, expressing feeling is not weakening a personal a person or a personality, but on the contrary, is making the person more authentic and even more credible. And that is such a thought-provoking perspective because talking about all of these topics, so unconscious bias, all of the preconceived notions, challenging norms, pushing boundaries, being more open-minded, a question that is inevitable is where do you draw the line? So where can you change diversity? In other words, what is the extent to which diversity needs to be fostered and challenged, especially at the workplace when it comes to fashion and clothing? And for many jobs, standardized clothing, such as uniforms, might be very crucial, for example, for safety reasons. So where can you influence diversity? As far as I'm concerned, I work in a, uh, an industrial company. So when I go on the shop floor, pretty clearly, I put on my safety shoes. There is no compromise on that. Yeah. So I leave whatever shoes I wear in my office, change my shoes, and in the shop floor, I put my safety glasses, uh, whatever mask is required, and shoes. Here, I think we talk about a reglementation. I believe it's really key to conform to it and and to show the example to people who actually work uh, during the whole day with a uniform. By doing that, I think that we do not forget our own personality. We just comply to something related to safety. And I think I am the first one to, to say that there is, I would say, the adaptation to the environment while preserving the personality. I think I would not come to work in a ballroom dress that I mentioned before, just for, <laughs> I would say, for practical reasons and, and probably because I would just feel out of place. I wouldn't come to work in a bikini because nobody does it just because it's a, 
I would say it's just too much. I mean, to just to express it in simple terms. Yeah. Uh, but on the contrary, nobody goes to the beach, um, well, in a cocktail dress. So yeah. I would say there is a certain element of, I would say, adaptation to the environment with the twist, you know, to say, what can I add to the situation that makes me recognizable, that makes me different? How much can I push it and to where? I think it's up to everybody, depending on their own strength, depending on the situation, depending on, on the personality to know what can I add and what can't I add? So this is why I would say I'm not a I'm not a fan of dress codes in companies just for this for the reason that I think a, a sensible person should know what fits and what doesn't fit. Mm-hmm. And regarding uniforms, yes, I know that in a, in a hospital people will wear uh, wear white. I have no explanation for that apart maybe that's for the reason that it's bright, it looks it's not distracting, it looks clean. And it makes sure that, you know, any stain would be immediately visible. So it kind of remain, almost forces us to continue to work cleanly. Many people, many artists, we are black because they don't get distracted by uh, by any pattern and it helps them to concentrate on uh, the piece of work. That would be the explanation that I would say. And you mentioned that the focus of your education of other people, um, the way you have challenged certain norms is mostly targeted towards the business world, towards changing certain stereotypes and conscious biases which exist in the corporate work environments, in the business world and so on. In this context, how can professionals and employees feel more secure about their careers while being different Because you also mentioned that this was a typical reaction that people also were surprised when you first started embracing more feminine clothes about how does this impact then the other aspects of your work life. So how can people still be different, but still kind of integrated? I think here it starts with the company itself. I think that now diversity and I would say even diversity, equality and inclusion, so DEI, is getting increasingly important and it has really accelerated over the last years. Yeah. I think we really are, at the, I don't think we are at the beginning, but I would say we are in an acceleration phase. So I would say it starts by setting the tone from the top. So, you know, the, the commitment from, from the leaders of the company to diversity. You know, mm-hmm. embracing diversity declared as a leadership responsibility. Yeah. Second step for me is for leaders to walk the talk. So basically to turn their verbal commitment into tangible facts. Statements, you know, like we empower people to bring their true selves to work. We create a safe place to work. Nobody will be discriminated due to their gender, due to their sexual orientation, due to their appearance, etc. Those kind of statements need to be made and uh, to be followed. So that, you know, I would say maybe, you know, people like me bring an example to say, okay, now if Stefan is brave enough to do it, I can also follow the example. So I would say this is why also me as a leader, you know, I'm a a finance director saying, if I do it, I believe that I bring a certain level of of confidence of safe place for other people who would feel in a certain, in a similar situation to say, well, then, Thanks for taking the risk, you know, thanks for a little bit trailblazing and I can follow you. You know, there are leaders and followers. 
Now, coming back to what companies can do, I think the most important for me is to create a real culture of, of equality and inclusion. Seeing the, the commonalities beyond the differences, you know, diversity is recognizing the difference, but then the inclusion is actually overcoming the difference and seeing the commonalities of people and putting them together in a coherent team. Yeah. So welcoming the people in the team, that's the inclusion part. The equality part is to make sure that everyone is given the same chance in their personal development, career, uh, being part of teams and, and others. And that's probably the most crucial, maybe even the most difficult, because, for instance, it requires for people to overcome unconscious bias. And there yeah. are tools for that, you know, for instance, anonymized applications. Mm-hmm. And I think it's looking at so many processes, right? You you talked a bit about how it needs to come from leadership, from management, how the teams need to be adapted. How about the general work environment? When you started embracing your most authentic self at work, were there areas that you felt that the work environment also needs to be adapted in order to accept all those differences and really make space for diversity in all forms? One question that I was confronted at work was whether I was on a journey to change my gender. Now, I would say that's the most common uh, reaction of people when they see, you know, a man wearing a dress or a skirt or a heel say, oh, do you want to pass as a woman? And it's interesting because if a, a woman puts on a tie to, put, to come to that again, I would almost think that all, a very, very low proportion of people would ask her if she's on the way to become a man. Now, yeah. and, and you see that the, the fact that it is still so unusual for people in, in this quotation marks feminine clothing, although I still believe clothes has no gender. Yeah. Um, so it requires, I uh, say, a clear message. It requires a clear positioning of the person at work to get understood by others in the company, by all stakeholders, you know, by customers, employees, you know, team members, by superiors. So it requires a, a positioning. Yeah. It requires to say, now, what do I express with this on the conventionality? I would say, first of all, I express values. Mm-hmm. In my case, this value is the, the commitment to diversity, the open mind, and I chose this style as an expression of it. Yeah. Then my styling is basically to say, okay, different but integrated, as we said. So I don't come with my ballroom dress at work, but I come maybe with, I would say, you know, a, a kind of a pencil skirt or ballerinas or those kind of things, you know. So I, I, I make sure that I am, I would say, different enough to be recognized, but still, you know, I, I fit in the place. You know, we, we come back to what we said, you know, I, I do not go to the beach with a suit and I don't come to work with a bikini, you know. It's it just in the air i think people will just must just know it yeah yeah and as you know the theme of the podcast is digitalization and diversity and through the different episodes i try to explore how digitalization creates more opportunities and improves diversity and i see that you are using different forms of digital media through videos and Instagram posts and all of the different new forms of media to get your messages out and educate others. So at what point did you really feel comfortable to put yourself in this online and digital space and really embrace 
all the opportunities and this freedom of expression that it brings forward? I got comfortable with it from the moment that I found out I have my message associated with my clothing style. Putting it on the media just for the sake of, of putting hopefully pretty pictures, what I think was entertaining in the beginning, but I found some, I would say, some limitation in, in interest of the thing after a certain while saying, okay, now, you know, am I, am I going to continue to post a picture every couple of days just to earn a couple of compliments? I would say it's, it's fine, but maybe there is more to that. So I would say certainly also the VDMD award helped a lot because, I mean, elsewise I would not even have started it because I would have... I don't know. I think it was more or less the trigger, actually, you know, being in the in the public place with this uh, little prize in, in January 20 uh, yeah. was really the trigger to, to go out. And then I uh, I associated it with this, uh, I would say, uh, personal branding. And then I found, OK, that's now where it gives me the focus of the communication on the media. But I would say what, what I find is that the digital media are really powerful to move forward the message. I want to bring diversity forward. That That's my purpose. So yeah. I found out digital media are just offer a huge cover range potential. We can almost reach the whole planet with a limited effort, especially with a limited financial effort. And that's really unprecedented. Yeah. So uh, I decided to go for Instagram because I think that that's, at least regarding fashion, it's a quite popular media. And then since I started with, with fashion in mind, I chose uh, uh, Instagram. By now, Instagram is very focused on, on reels, you know, those short videos. Yeah. And then I, I found out that actually it offers me a, an opportunity to, to convey messages through those little videos, you know, not only saying, hey, that's me in, in this in this clothes, but saying, you know, that's me in this dress or whatever. But I convey a certain message, as I said, you know, like 10 minutes ago, the ridiculous is probably in the eye of the person who makes this grief, you know, and the kind of, of messages that I convey also to empower other people to see, hmm, I reflect, maybe I change my mind or I reflect and then I'm like, I'm going to do it also, you know. So I would like to continue to use these several types of, of media. I love what we're doing right now because I think on the on the audio, we can go much more into the, the detail. And I think that by mixing the right media supports, we can even increase the reach of what we're doing here. Yeah. And definitely the way people are consuming content is changing. I mean, in the past, it was a lot of content which was available and people were engaging more through blogs and posts. Nowadays, of course, with the whole pandemic situation, people working a lot from home and really being online much more than they previously were. A lot of people are consuming a lot of content through audio blogs, through podcasts, a lot of content in the form of videos and so on. So more visual content. So how do you see digital platforms, for example, you mentioned Instagram, improving and directly impacting diversity? I think they are a huge support of it um, because, as, as we said, people consume much more digital media right now. The, the reach is extremely high. I think it's about finding the right mix of supports to convey the messages. We have long videos, short videos, we have pictures, we have audios, we have digital conversations. So what I want to use by that is, I would say, also the, the inclusion part of it, 
which is to include other people in, in my post, you know, precisely to foster this inclusivity, you know. So uh, I have done recently a, a post with a, a disabled person on my Instagram account to convey the message that diverse people do not suffer, you know, which is also a kind of a cliche. If you're diverse, you suffer, you know, you suffer because you're you're disabled and you're not able to walk. You suffer because you are gay and you don't dare to say it. You suffer because you, you wear your heels as a man and you don't dare to go out. And yeah. we say, no, we do not suffer. We enjoy the diversity. We are proud about, you know, the difference. So we, we made this post together and actually it's one of the ones that have had the highest reach yeah. and a lot of comments. We were really, really pleased about that. I've done recently also a post with a Norwegian businesswoman to associate power to kindness. If we come back to what we were saying before, you know, putting myself a short skirt, putting myself a heels, am I weakening myself or not? Interestingly enough, when a woman puts on these clothes, she would look pretty strong. So I mm -hmm. said, okay, now I dress exactly the same way. And we made this, this rail together. And we say, look, I mean, we are both different. And we associate the fact that power can be reflected in clothing. Yeah. And at the same time, feelings are associated. So we said we associate power and kindness, you know. That's the second one that has been also very well received. I have further ideas in the, in the pipeline, so stay, stay tuned. More, yeah. more come on the, on the Instagram channel. I would love to continue the conversation, Stefan, but probably we have to record another episode because there is just so much to exchange on. But I do want to ask you a final question as a closing topic. Is there a message that you want to bring forward to the listeners to really help them bring their most authentic self every day? Yes, definitely. I would say three things. Think about what defines you. What are your values and how do you want to express them? Mm -hmm. Think about what is your diversity? What makes you unique? And how do you want to leverage this diversity to reinforce your personality? And third, make yourself visible. We live in a global world. I mean, this is a commonplace. I mean, and this is now even more important, you know, to be visible as we live really in this in this global world. So make sure you are recognizable, make sure you are memorable, you know. So associating those three things, define what is your values, what is your diversity, what makes you unique and make it visible. I would say it is my uh, my advice for people to live their authentic self every day. Thank you, Stefan, for your time today. And thank you for sharing all the stories and being authentic and your honest self on today's episode. It has been a pleasure to have you on the show today. It was really my pleasure. Thanks so much. I hope really that I could transport uh, messages that were so important to me. I would say, uh, you know, feel free to, uh, to reach to me via my account. I mean, send me any direct message. I reply to all message, hopefully as soon as I can. Yeah, in the next month, I, I plan to launch a website to continue, you know, in this uh, diversity management, personal branding. So hopefully I'm, I'm able to launch this website that will have also a possibility to discuss directly and, and accommodate some, some longer audios and, and videos. So let's, uh, let's stay in touch. Wonderful. I'm really looking forward to it. That is it for today's episode with Stefan Bonuto. 
stay tuned for upcoming episodes of the digitalization and diversity podcast on Spotify, Apple, and Google podcasts by subscribing to the Instagram channel at the DD podcast. You can find all the links in the show notes till next time. Oh,